So this one time, me and Josh, we went to uh, Bloemfontein. Scott, that's about a six-hour drive from here in the Free State. Um, I was on my way to Morsel Bay to visit a friend. And that night, when, as we drove into Bloemfontein, the Lord spoke to me and He said, I want you to go to your hotel room, get dressed, and go to a club. I said, God, no, not me. I know, I, I knew, I know what it's like to be in a club in Bloemfontein. I've been there. Bloemfontein has a street, it's called Long Street. No, Second Avenue is the street's name. And it's clubs left and right all through, from the top to the end. Some people would know what it's like to be there. So I told Joss, we got to go to a club tonight. Joss said, no, you sure, man? I said, dude, we got to go. And the Lord spoke to me. Got to get dressed and go to this club. And it's been two years since I've been to any club, since I came to Jesus. So we went to the hotel, we got dressed, and we got ready to go to the streets. Went to the streets, and I checked out all the clubs, and I was like, God, which one? We went into the first one, didn't feel right. Got in the car again, went out, second one, didn't feel right. So then we went around this little corner, and there's this dodgy place called Mystic Boo. <laughs> A dodgy place. And there's dodgy people with long hair, smoking dodgy, hubbly pipes, and weed, and you can smell it. And God said, this is the one. So me, dressed up into this dodgy place, I went in, I went to the bar. I said, hey man, can I get a gospel beer, please? He said, a what? I said, just give me a Coke, I'll be good. And the guy gave me a Coke, and I blessed him with a change. And I went outside. In this dodgy place, there's a little corner outside that you can sit. And outside, I was standing, drinking my Coca-Cola. And I said, God, I don't know what's going on. Because I see all these young ladies dancing their life away. And there's death in their eyes. No life. They're just there, parting their life away. And my heart started to get really heavy. And I didn't want to be there anymore. So I said, I'm just going to leave. This is not my place. It's not for me. It smells like smoker. I, can't, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know how to touch everyone in this place. I don't know what to do in this area now. So as I took a sip and I started to move forward, God spoke. He said, go pray for the guy in the corner. And I looked to my left and I saw this one guy sitting in the corner. And I went over to him and I said, hey, dude. He said, hey, man. I said, dude, I believe the Lord spoke to me, told me to come pray for you. And the guy said, ah, you can pray all you want. I don't believe in Jesus. I said, you're the one? Man, you're the one. God sent me to this place for you. You are the one that I, I came to this. And I, I got really excited. I said, man, I'm from Uppington. And the Lord brought me to this place because he told me to come. And I, I believe this is for you. God sent me for you. He said, dude, I don't believe in Jesus. I said, that's okay, man. He believes in you, dude. Let me just pray for you. He said, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. No, I don't believe in this stuff. I don't want you to pray for me. Just back off. And I said, man, why don't you believe? So while well, I grew up in a Christian home, parents did this and that and the other thing, and life just happened. And I just, that's why I don't believe in your Jesus. And I said, man, you know, Jesus paid the highest price for your life. Why won't you come? He said, and I'm, my F, the F word for me is forgiveness. You can put any other word in there if you want. But he said, who the F is Jesus to go die on a cross with, for me without asking me first? And a holy anger 
came into my heart. And I said, man, would you like it if I slap you off the chair right now? He said, no. I said, you couldn't even handle the slap. How would you be able to handle the cross? Because let me tell you something about the cross. Back in the day, when people were still crucified, it happened like this. They would take you to a little courtyard there, have a pole about this, this height, bend you over, tie your hands to the pole, rip the clothes off you, and then they would take a whip that has lead, steel, glass in it. And the Roman soldiers had this one order is to whip him. And they did it out of anger in their heart. So it wasn't a small whip. It was out of anger. I know when before I became born again, I was an angry guy. So whenever I would hit my dog, I would be in a fight or whatever. Out of anger, you'd give everything you want just to get the best of it. So what they do is they whip his back apart. And last night, Scott quoted, no, Daru quoted that scripture. The Bible says that his back looked like a plowed field. And every time I drive by a plowed field, I think about the back of my Jesus. That it was literally ripped apart. So when that whip would come, it would go into the flesh and the Roman shoulder, soldier would pull it out back. And some flesh would come off, even off the bones. And it would whip again. And whip again. And whip again. And the Bible says he got 40 lashes minus one. And I was like, Jesus, you want me to read the Bible? And you want me to do math, maths while I'm, while I'm reading the Bible? Why would the Bible say 40 minus one? That's 39. So I went to check it out. And it says that they also had this law there. That if you whip 40 lashes and the person in front of you is not dead. They take the guy who did the whipping and bend him over on the pole and whip him until he dies. So the guy stopped at 39. And then at that place, they would take Jesus. They would take the person. They would be crucified in that condition, ripped apart, having thorns in his head, through his brows, ripped apart. And they put a cross on him. In kilograms, I think it's about 130 kilograms that cross weighed in on that body. And they let him walk out while the whole city is mocking and spitting at him and on him. Imagine you in your city being ripped apart, having a cross on your back, walking out of Uppington and the whole city is waiting for you, spitting on you. And you know how angry people spit? They don't go like this. They go like this. And then you'll have all that stuff hanging on a broken body of a city spitting on someone on the way to Calvary. And then on Calvary, they take that broken body and nail it to the cross and lift them up for everyone to see. And God bled that day. Every drop in his body went out for us to be completely healed 
completely set free, completely delivered, and to live a life and a life more abundantly. Now, if everyone, any one of you have heard me preach, this is usually not the message. We usually go full on with what God has for us and for who we, who we are. But I felt strongly the Lord wants to pour Himself out today on you again. And they'd have Him on display for the world to see. And there'd still be people mocking Him. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they are doing. And on the cross, back in the day, welcome in. On the cross, back in the day, they'd say that even though people were still hanging there alive, there would be birds come and come still take flesh from them while they hang there. That was so intense. Some people never made it out of the courtyard. But Jesus endured the suffering because of you that were set before him. While on his way to the cross, while being ripped apart, your face was flashing in front of his eyes all the time. You were the one he was doing it for. You were the one he was laying himself down for. Not just for the world, but for everyone individually. That was what Jesus did. And I explained this to this young man that wanted to know why didn't Jesus ask him first about the cross? Why didn't Jesus ask him? It's all about me. That's how the world is. It's just about me. I look at me all the time. What about me, God? What about me? And we never shift the finger from this to what about him? We never get to that place of what about the person right in front of me? What do I think about the one in front of me? What does Jesus think about the one in front of me? And that night, while he was arguing with me about all the science and the stuff around, I got a word for his back. I said, dude, what's wrong with your back? And he got off his chair, angry, lifted up his t-shirt, and there's a scar from here to here, right in the middle of I said, what happened with your back? He said, well, because of my parents, they're so Christian-like and all the fights at home. I didn't believe in God. And life came, and I wanted to take my own life. So what I did, I got on the balcony, I had a rope around my neck, and I jumped. And the rope slipped, and I fell off the balcony, and I broke my back. And I had surgeries in my back. And ever since that day, the pain has never left. So what I do is, I come to this place every night, I drink my pills, I have a drink, and the alcohol and the pills mix, and the pain go away. And I sit and draw pictures here. And he's drawing pictures while he's sitting in the club. On his own, no friends, no family, no nothing. And he said, if I can feel your effing Jesus in my effing heart where it counts, I'll give him a chance. And I said, well, let me pray for your back and see if Jesus will give you a chance. And I put my hand on his back and my hand on his heart because he wanted to feel it in his heart, his forgiveness heart. And I said, God, in this club, the music are going, I couldn't even hear myself pray. So God, I thank you, Lord, for this young man. Lord, I thank you for his back to be completely healed, God. And I thank you, Lord. He wants to feel you in his heart. Would you please touch him? And the moment I said it, that guy went like this. <gasps> he started weeping. I said, God, I thank you for this man, Lord. 
I thank you for the cross and I thank you for what you did, Lord. I thank you that even though we might never choose you, your yes was in since the day before the foundation of the world, the world, foundation of the world, you said yes to us, God, and you're waiting for us to say yes to you, Lord. I thank you that you come and touch him. And I said, Amen. And I said, dude, check your back. Got up, checked his back, completely healed. His jaw dropped, and he said, what's your name? I said, my name is Picard. And the music was going, Poof. he said, okay, Peter, I'm going to tell everyone about you. <laughs> I said, don't tell them about me. Tell them about my Jesus. Because you wanted Jesus to touch your heart for you to give him a chance. And he did. What are you going to do about it? And in this week, I came upon this scripture. And I want to read it out of the Passion Translation because it explains it so beautifully. It's in Luke 7. You can go read it from verse 36. I'm going to read it to you guys. This thing touched my heart and I hope it does yours too. It says, Afterward, a Jewish religious leader named Simon asked Jesus to his home for dinner. Jesus accepted the invitation. You know that if you invite Jesus, he'll come. If you invite Jesus to your home, he'll come. God. Oh. When he went into Simon's home, he took his place at the table. In the neighborhood, there was an immoral woman of the streets known to all to be a prostitute. When she heard about Jesus being in Simon's house, she took an exquisite flask made from alabaster filled with the most expensive perfume, went right into the home of the Jewish religious leader and knelt at the feet of Jesus in front of all the guests. Broken and weeping, she covered his feet with tears that fell from her face. She kept crying and drying his feet with her long hair. Over and over, she kissed Jesus' feet. Then she opened her flask and anointed his feet with her costly perfume as an act of worship. When Simon saw what was happening, he thought, this man can't be a true prophet. If he were really a prophet, he would know what kind of sinful woman is touching him. Jesus said, Simon, I have a word for you. Go ahead, teacher. I want to hear it, he answered. It's a true story about two men who were deeply in debt. One owed the bank 100, and this is the Passion Translation. I'm going to just put it in rand. 100,000 rand, and the other only owed 10,000 rand. 
when it was obvious that neither of them would be able to repay their debts, the kind banker graciously wrote it off the debts and forgave them all that they owed. Tell me, Simon, which of the two debtors would be the most thankful? Which one would love the banker most? Simon answered, I suppose it would be the one with the greatest debt forgiven. You're right, Jesus agreed. Then he spoke to Simon about the woman still weeping at his feet. Don't you see this woman kneeling here? She is doing for me what you didn't bother to do. When I entered your home, listen to this guys, you got to get this. She is kneeling here. She is doing for me what you didn't bother to do. When I entered your home as a guest, you didn't think about offering me water to wash the dust off my feet. Yet she came into your home and washed my feet with her many tears and then dried my feet with her hair. Have you ever cried so much that you can actually wash someone's feet with your tears? Wash them. Not just wet them, but wash them. You didn't even welcome me into your home with a customary kiss of greeting. But from the moment I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't take the time to anoint my head with fragrant oil. But she anointed my head and feet with the finest perfume. She has been forgiven of all her many sins. This is why she has shown me such extravagant love. But those who assume they have very little to be forgiven will love me very little. And then Jesus said to the woman at his feet, All your sins are forgiven. And all the dinner guests said among themselves, Who is the one who can even forgive sins? Then Jesus said to the woman, Your faith in me has given you life. Now you may live and walk in the ways of peace. If you would only take the time to invite Jesus to your home, He'd come. But when He comes, would you take the time to offer Him a glass of water? Would you sit at His feet? Would you wash Him and dry Him with your hair? Would you sit with the King? Would you kiss Him? I wonder this morning if Jesus walked into this place, how many would kiss His feet? How oh, many would even know that he's here this morning? I'm going to look around. I don't see people loving on Jesus. I see people welcoming him in and doing nothing with him. There's a chair, sit. And he's waiting for you to sit at his feet. He's waiting for you to kiss him. He's waiting for you to offer him a glass of water. He's waiting for you to become his best friend. I love that movie, The Shack. And people have a lot of opinions about it. But there's something in that movie that when God says, I'm especially fond of you, that just breaks my heart every time. Because God will stop for you and say, I'm especially fond of you. And I look at the woman with the blood flow. That she pressed through the crowds just to get to Jesus. 
The one that no one wanted in the city. The filthy one. Pressed through the crowds to get to Jesus. And when she touches his robe, he stops. Because power left. He asked the disciples, who touched me? They say, God, but who, who Jesus, why do you ask this question? Who touched you? Everybody's touching you. And it's the same still today that the living word in your room, in your bedroom, is walking among you. And you touch him, but not in faith. You touch the word of God. You read your Bible, but not in faith. That woman came to the living word of God, touched him in absolute faith, and he knew someone touched me. And he stopped turned around and he healed her completely and forgave of all her sins. And when I read that scripture, God said, son, if you touch me in faith, I'll respond in power every time and I'll stop with everything that I'm busy with to give you all my attention. Jesus wants to give you his attention and he wants your attention. It's not just a Jesus somewhere. That's just a name that you've heard somewhere in the church. It's not just some guy that died on a cross. The Afrikaans people will quickly be to say, the Obas that must with me gepraat. The Otopi daarboe. It's not the Obas or the Otopi. It's God Almighty. It's not just some old man. They're up in the sky. He's our Father that loves us endless. He's a God of heaven and earth that wants to come down. Jesus just didn't come down for you to be forgiven and then just go. He came down, save you, give you life, and life more abundantly. He wants to recreate himself inside of you so that he can flow through you and touch people around you. In Titsikoma, two weeks ago, I was at a school. I did 17 service in 10 days. And at this one place, I was in a school, and it took me about five to ten minutes to just get one person to say yes to Jesus in that whole school. Nobody responded. They were just looking at one another. Poor school, sitting there. And one girl stood up. And the moment she got up, the moment she got up, the whole school went like this. And God spoke to me. He said, if one would stand up for what they actually believe in, the community will transform My question today is, did you invite Jesus into your home? And did he become your friend? Or did you invite Jesus into your home and you just gave him a seat in the corner? Do you know Jesus today and not just know about Jesus today? When I gave my life to Jesus, I tried to kill myself three times on one day. That was it. Life came to me as well. Suicide. It's all I had. In my head, the words kept, rep kept replaying, if you leave this world, it'll be a better place. And today I know that the world's not a better place when you leave it. It's a better place when you die to the opinions of what it has and start living to what God says about you. But you've got to come into that place where you say yes to God. And then stay there. You say yes to God. And then live from there. You say yes to God. And you have that friendship with God. That when you partner with the God of heaven and earth. You'll always be in the place of abundant life. You'll always be in a place of. 
righteousness, peace and joy. I was in a little church there and I made a lot of jokes during my speech and nobody laughed. Because in that church you're not allowed to laugh. You're not allowed to clap your hands. You're not allowed to raise your hands. It's just, you've got to sit there. And religion is killing people. My Bible says in Psalm 16:11, it says, In the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. When was the last time that you prayed and laughed so hard that you couldn't even breathe? Because God came. You tell people about my experiences with God and they don't believe it. They go, ah, that's not, that can't be. Because they, I go to church on a Sunday and that's enough for me. Another guy the other day told me, I said, do you pray in tongues? He said, no, I don't know. I don't go that deep with Jesus. I said, I said okay, I have a question for you. I said, the Bible says it, Ephesians, um, Ephesians 20, uh, 5.22, it says that we should love our wives the way Jesus loves the church. So I have a question for you, sir. When you love on your wife, do you kiss her on the forehead and then you go to bed? Or you, do you go deep with her? And the guy looked at me like this. Like I'm a dwemini. And He said, no, I go deep with my wife. I said, Jesus wants to go deep with you. Why don't you go deep with him? He wants to know you intimately. He wants to kiss you and love on you. He wants to carry you through your life, through your days. He wants to be with you. He never leaves. You're the one that turns away, not him. And this is the message that I had. I'm not going to, if I talk anymore, it's going to be me speaking. But I have this question. Are you willing to lay down yourself and kiss the feet of Jesus? Are you willing to lay down your life and what other people think about you and the opinions of what the world has about you? Are you willing to lay down who you are to pick up Him? Are you willing to say, I'm going to die with Christ so I can be resurrected with Him? Are you willing to say that I'm not going to go according to the man-made tradition and religion? I want to go according to what God says. Because we always get into these debates. And then I ask the question, well, when the Bible is what you're debating on, and they can't answer it, but they still keep on debating on a nothing. Jesus wants you to come in fully with Him. Not just some of you, but all of you. Jesus wants you to know that He died for you to live. Jesus already had the worst day of His life, so that you can have the best of yours. Jesus took that on Himself, so that you don't have to. And I prayed with a guy and he gave his life to Jesus that night. We went out. I was so psyched up. I wanted to go to the next club again. Went out and I knew. When I got into that club, I knew God was done. He came for that one. And I know today that there's many people in this room. But I'm telling you that God came for you. He came for you. Even you're the only one here. If it, even if it was that you were the only one here, that God would still come for you. And today I believe that God's going to come. After this... <coughs> And your heart's ready. God's going to come and pour Himself out on you. 
And today you're going to meet Him in a supernatural way. Today you're going to see God in a supernatural way. And today you're going to even see miracles like you've never seen before. And today you're going to be touched like you've never been touched before. I only have this one question. Have you given your life to Jesus completely and fully? But the only thing that you live for is for Him and Him only. And when people hear your name, they think about Jesus. And when they think about Jesus, they hear your name. And if you haven't done that before, or you are not completely fully in yet, I know this is Uppington. I have people in small towns, they come to me afterwards. They say, this is a small town, you know. So that's why I didn't stand up. Because people would see. Jesus says, if you are ashamed of me in front of people, I'll be ashamed of you in front of the Father. And I'm not ashamed of this gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation. Because I said yes to Jesus and I stood up for what I believe in. I had at first a town turn and talk at this town bad mouths a lot. But they haven't seen yet. I've seen. I've filled, I've touched and I've kissed the King of Glory. But when I said yes in my own life, there was transformation happening everywhere I go. Not because of who I am, but because of who He is and what He has done for us. Last night, we were in the casino here and we we're on our way to bed and people got touched by Jesus in the doorway, flat on the ground, just laying here in the doorway. Jesus wants to meet you here today. And there's a lot of your friends doing nothing today with a lot of excuses of not being here today. Why don't you get a, a couple of bucks out of your pocket and buy them a ticket and let them come? There's people sitting here today that got sponsored tickets of people that couldn't make it but paid so other people can make it. To see their friends get saved and touched by God. If you have never given your life completely to Jesus, or you have given your life to Jesus, but you've drifted away, and you want to just get right with God before everything else happens today, I need you to stand up right now and say, Jesus is Lord of my life. I need you to stand up. If this is you, I need you to stand up now. Thank you. And I understand that a lot of people struggle with stuff. In this room right now, there's people struggling with alcohol. There's people struggling with pornography. There's people struggling with drugs. There's people struggling to forgive themselves. There's people struggling to forgive their father. There's people struggling to forgive other people, family members. Right now, those people are sitting in this room. You can't go fix yourself. I've never seen a car drive himself to the mechanic shop and get fixed there. You gotta take it. You can't fix yourself. You gotta bring yourself to Jesus and let Him fix you. And God is so attracted to your broken heart and your brokenness and your needy soul and your poor spirit and your hungry towards Him. He needs you to come. And if you have this struggle, whatever it is, and you gotta lay it down at the cross today, you gotta stand up now. I don't care if you're a pastor, a worship leader, a businessman. I don't care who you are. Jesus never looked at the title. He looked at the heart. 
And I get people always coming to me afterwards. Oh, I should have been the one that had to stand up. Man, you can't stand at the gates of heaven saying, God, I should have been the one who had to repent. You have the chance now and you've got to do it. And I know there's even people standing now that's interceding for other people not standing. You've got to stand up if this is you and give it all to the King, the King of glory. And God will touch you right where you are. You don't need anyone to touch you. Right where you are, God will touch you. I promise you. He's not a friend of mine, but he's a great evangelist. He's a friend of Scott, Daniel Kalenda, who once said something, and it will always stick to me. He said, the Holy Spirit spoke to him in one meeting, where the Holy Spirit came in and touched everyone except three people that wouldn't surrender. And Daniel asked in his heart, Lord, why won't you touch those people? And the Holy Spirit said, I will never send anyone away empty unless they come full of themselves. And if you are sitting here not standing and you know you have to stand, you're full of yourself. You've got to give over to let Him come and fill you with all He is. And if you are standing and there's someone that sits next to you, I need you to quickly turn to them and ask them, do you need to be standing right now? And if they are, please stand with them. You might be the one saving another life. Getting one to Jesus. You've got to ask them. Quickly ask your neighbor if they are sitting down, do you need to stand right now? And if they do need to stand, please get them on their feet. Thank you. Thank you. Now close your eyes and lift your hands. And with all of your heart, with all of your heart, all who you are, you know what's going on in your heart right now. You need to know you get, need to get right, uh, right with God. I need you to say this out loud as if this is the last chance. You say, Lord Jesus, today I give my life completely to you. I believe with all my heart that you are the Son of God, that you died on that cross for me. That you bled for my healing, my deliverance, and my safety. That you have a place for me in heaven. And God, today I ask you to cleanse me from all of my sins. Please forgive me. I forgive myself. I forgive any other people that sinned against me. Holy Spirit, come. Touch me now. Fill me, heal me, cleanse me, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, come Holy Spirit. Father, I just thank you in the name of Jesus God to come all over this room and touch people as they stand, Lord, as they sit, Lord. I thank you, God, where they are. Come and touch them, Jesus. Touch them, God. Holy Spirit, come. And touch your people, Lord. Let your fire fall on us. Let your fire fall on us. And consume everything. Touch. 
Thank you, Jesus.